Hello and welcome to Journeying Through the Scriptures podcast, the podcast where we walk through God's Word together. Today we continue our journey through the book of Nehemiah. Today we are in Nehemiah chapters 5 and chapter 6. And I remember sitting in a service at a church that I worked at in Taiwan, and I remember hearing a guest speaker pray for anyone to raise their hands or who raised their hands, that God would remove any and every obstacle from their lives and from their ministries. And I remember thinking as I sat there, boy, that'd be great, but there's not a biblical justification for that kind of prayer. No, certainly there's nothing wrong with praying that God remove obstacles. But Nehemiah would certainly say the same thing I said. Because you see, Nehemiah faced nothing but opposition, nothing but obstacles. And in chapters 5 and 6, we're going to look at two specific obstacles he faced. He faced both inward obstacles, things happening within the body of Judah, just like the, the church. The internal struggles within the church would be our modern-day interpretation. But also he had outside pressure from his enemies, we'll nickname the squad, which are the group of people that come together to attack him. And we see that that is persistent throughout his entire mission, his entire journey, that he faces these obstacles. And as believers, as followers of Jesus, we have been promised by Jesus himself that we will have trouble in this world because of him. So I, I just fear that those kind of prayers are disingenuous to the people of God because they often set up unreal expectations. I mean, certainly there's nothing wrong with the thought of that. There's nothing wrong with a quick prayer, but there is a problem where the, the pastor doesn't define what that looks like, what that means, uh, and they just leave their people thinking God will remove any obstacle, and if they if he didn't, it's because they didn't believe hard enough, and I just think that is a dangerous mindset to leave your people with. So in chapters 5, we're going to dig into some of the internal struggles that Nehemiah is facing, and it begins the chapter like this, now there arose a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brothers. So immediately at the beginning of chapter 5, we have some internal struggles. In fact, verses 1 through verses 6, we're going to see that there is debt to be collected, and they can't make the money since they also can't use their land for income because it's also been divvied out. And so what you have in the first six verses, the people who were less fortunate, they couldn't pay the tax, so to speak, to the the nobles, the Jewish nobles that were still in Jerusalem in the surrounding area. And so they said, well, give us your land as a result. And they would give them their land. That land was, you know, how they made money. That was how they grew things to sell. So basically they took away their only means to pay them back. So they put them in debt and then they took away their means to pay back the debt, meaning they would always be in debt. And if you're thinking, boy, that sounds bad, it, it is. And Nehemiah's response, which we'll look at later, is rightfully angry. This is oppression. This is, this is taking advantage of the less fortunate. And we see that spelled out in verses 1 through 6, and then verse 7 through 19, we discover Nehemiah's response, and it was to the leaders. And the leaders in verses 7 through 19 are guilty of this oppression. 
and they were silent in front of their accus- accusers, which is interesting. So let's let's kind of look at that. It, it says in verse 7, I took counsel with myself, and I brought the charges against the nobles and the officials, and I said to them, you were exacting interest, each from his brother, and I held a great assembly against them. This means all the people kind of gathered around and said to them, we, as far as we are able, have brought back our Jewish brothers from captivity who have been sold to the nations, but you would even sell your brothers so that they might be sold to us? And they were silent and could not find a word to say. And part of the reason they could not find a word to say is because Nehemiah was right. They were absolutely wrong and they were being called out for it and so immediately what we're going to see is that when we are engaging in the mission of God to build the kingdom of God we're going to face internal struggles there's going to be internal oppression internal injustice the church is full of broken people and therefore when we look at the church we're going to find people who are doing things that are not right so if you're someone out there who maybe um and I'm glad if, if that's you, you're listening to this. That's great. But if you've been hurt by a church and maybe you're thinking, man, I don't know if I want to go back. Or if you know someone outside of the church that once went and they've been hurt by people in the church, it's okay to point this out to them and say, hey, look here in Nehemiah chapter 5, we see that the people of God, th- these are the leaders, by the way, and Nehemiah is calling them out because they were be, there was injustice going on within the very people of God. And it, it's, it's always been there because we're broken and we're sinners. And it would be good to explain to them that, that the fallen world, it does find its way into the church. Now, it's not okay to stay there. And what we'll see with Nehemiah, he does not look at what they're doing and say, well, I know we're in tough times and I know we're broken people. So just, uh, you know, maybe stop. No, he, he calls it out. And he is angry. In verse 6, it says, I was very angry when I heard about their outcry and these words. So Nehemiah doesn't take this sitting down, and he there's an action involved in this. What's the action? How does he overcome this internal opposition to the mission of God? Well, he calls an assembly. He calls the people out for what they're doing is wrong. They know they're wrong. They're silent. They can't find even a word to defend themselves with. And so Nehemiah will supply those words, and he continues in verse 8, or sorry, verse 9, rather. And I said, the thing you are doing is not good. And this is the key here. He says, ought you not to walk in the fear of our God, to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? He says, moreover, I and my brothers and my servants are lending them money and grain let us abandon this this exacting of interest. So Nehemiah does several things. One, he refocuses their eyes. He goes, what you're doing is wrong. He's calling a sin a sin. And I think even within the church, when we see sin within the church, we got to call it out. We are the people of God, and we have a responsibility, especially leaders have a responsibility to model what it means to be the people of God. And when we fall short of that, we should expect someone to call us out for that. And Nehemiah rightfully does, but notice he doesn't simply just beat them down with what they did wrong. He actually takes them from what they're doing. He says, you're wrong, and this is why you're wrong, because 
and he lifts their eyes to God. He goes, because when we look at God, the, the world may do this kind of thing, and it gets away with it all the time. And by the way, a lot of people who cry against injustice do it while themselves doing injustice elsewhere. Often their cry and focus on someone else's injustice is to throw off the light from their own injustice. Nehemiah is not doing that. Instead, he throws their eyes and the eyes of the assembly to God. He says, instead of doing what is wrong, should we not fear our God? Remember, it's not just because it's wrong. It's because there's a fear of God, because God is just. And if we're doing injustice, we are going against him. And we should fear that because God is the one who can kill even the soul. Now, think about David and his psalm. He says, I don't fear men. What can they do to me? They can only kill the body. So he's kind of right in that. He says, they can kill me, but God can kill the soul. That God has power over that. And therefore, we should walk in fear of our God and do what is right in his sight. And notice the motivation is twofold. It's to fear God. So do what's right. Should we not walk in the fear of God? And also we do this because one, God is worthy of that. And two, to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies. This makes sense. It's like the church where the leadership is is corrupt. It's okay to say, look, the people outside the church are going to taunt us over this. It's going to defame and deglorify God because of the way we're acting. And I want to point out that your actions and your words rather bring glory to God or take it away and to take away God's glory. Now, you can't diminish the glory of God, but you can take people's focus off the glory of God. And that is extremely and inherently sinful. And if we're doing that as believers, we're doubly responsible. And so notice it's, one, personally walk in the fear of God, two, that we don't provoke the taunts of the nations, the taunts of the people outside, for our purposes, the church. That we would not bring shame on the people of God and, and bring shame to God's name, but instead to glorify it by doing what is right. And this is Nehemiah's response. He calls for repentance. And they say in verse 12, we will restore these and acquire nothing from them. Basically, we'll fix what we did wrong. So there's repentance. They, they are going to fix the bridges that they broke. And two, Nehemiah does this. And I know this is a bit of a snapshot of what he did. But in verses 14 through the end of the chapter, he models what it looks like. He says, look at me and my people. I'm the governor. I've been giving out the food. I've not been expecting interest or payments or anything. I've been doing it because it's the right thing to do. He models godly leadership. And so if you're a pastor and you're dealing with any kind of problem within the church, internal opposition, it is very important, whether you're the pastor, the D-group leader, or just a member of the church, that you model what it looks like to be godly and to lead a godly life because people will follow it is necessary for you as a believer now on to chapter six we have this external pressure the squad as i like to call them or this is sambalit and tobiah and some of the other guys and they show up and now they're trying to trick in the first few verses trick nehemiah into this meeting in fact four times 
So I mean, just watch this. Not once, but four times. The enemy of God, or God's people, they're persistent and they're resilient in their attacks to try to get him away from the wall. And Nehemiah immediately perceives that that's what they're doing. He sends a messenger to them after they ask him several times, saying, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down from this wall. Why should the work stop and I leave it and come down to you? And so they send four times somebody to try to get him, and he answers them the same every single time. And they actually even send it a fifth time with an open letter this time in verse 5. And now he's going to change the attack. Now instead of asking Nehemiah to come and visit uh, and sit down with a council of them, he now says, I'm going to tell the king a lie about you. Uh, So we, we see from Nehemiah, and we see in our own lives that there's this external opposition, and it's resilient, it's persistent, and if we resist it and it persists, it will persist in different ways. So after four times of trying to get him to this trap meeting, now they're going to change their strategy, and they're going to try to, I guess, lie, well, not necessarily lie, but they're going to try to intimidate him using the king. Well, we're going to tell the king a lie. And Nehemiah calls it out. Well, that's a lie. Go ahead. Tell the king that. You know what? What's the worst he could do? Kill me? And that's kind of his attitude. His attitude's like, but I'm going to continue to do the work of God that he's called me to do. And if the king believes your lie, so be it. But I will obey my God. And we see that specifically In verse 9, where he says, For they all want to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now, and this is his prayer, O God, strengthen my hands, which means I'm still going to do the work of God. And I also want to point out that in verse 9, you, or really verse 8, you, you see a prayer. And there's a theme in Nehemiah that when he faces opposition, his response is always prayer. And when we face opposition, whether it's internal or external, our response must first be prayer, secondly be a resilience to do the work of God. Notice Nehemiah doesn't at all back down, and in fact, he continues. There's, their traps won't stop. They continue. Now they're going to send people to kill him by night. They're going to find all kinds of ways to to trick him, and he just, he, he prays. Verse 13, for this purpose he was hired. They now send somebody to try to get him in uh, to another trick. Tell him to hide in the temple. And he says, no, I can't do that. And he, he says he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin so that they can give me a bad name. So now their trap is to try to defame his name. They're going to try to a character assassination on Nehemiah. And, and he, as he prays, he says, remember Tobiah and Sembalat, oh my God, according to the things that they have done, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid, because we see that even the, the squad, this, this enemy within Nehemiah's camp, they even got prophets and prophetesses on their side, on their payroll, to try to trick Nehemiah into being afraid so they can defame his name. But in verse 15, through 19 we see that the wall gets finished in verse 15 it says so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days which is pretty impressive 
And when all our enemies had heard of it, and all the nations around us became afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived and perceived correctly that this was the work accomplished by, with the help of our God. So Tobiah, it actually ends with Tobiah sending more letters to, to make Nehemiah afraid, which he is not. But the work of God gets done. He faces the external opposition the same way he faces the internal opposition. He prays. He calls for the right response. So internal opposition, he calls for repentance. He models godly leadership. External opposition, he continues to model godly leadership. He continues to say, I will do the work of my God, even if it kills me. He's persistent in doing the work of God, just as the enemy is persistent in trying to stop him. So my brothers and sisters, be persistent in doing the work of God. Turn to him in prayer, whether you face internal opposition or external opposition. We will face opposition. Go to God in prayer, in strength, for his strength, and continue to do the work of God.